0: Uh, Hello, my name is Matt Mayer, a.k.a. Imp, and this is LOP Radio on YouTube, on Red Circle, and wherever you get your podcast feeds. AEW Double Nothing is live this Saturday, so it's time for some lovely predictions. Also, first time being live, not a clue what to do with my hands. (laughs) I've heard people say that's a thing, but yeah, and for some reason I keep using the trackpad on my laptop when I've got a mouse here, just to stop me doing it. So anyway, I am in a kitchen... Just to the right of me, there is a fridge. Behind me, there's a massive pile of washing, a calendar, <laughs> just to tell I was annoyed with that calendar, I wanted to take it down. The only thing that I've done here to try to jazz it up a bit is Forky. <laughs> it's just on there. It's a running gag of Forky and his kazoo being just there, so I thought i will put him on top of my sound wall to kind of stop the echoing. Uh, so, I've mentioned this before. I've been trying to get video up on uh, the loss of pain YouTube channel for quite a while and it's just not been the case. So it's just not been able to do it and then the lockdown happened. I've uh, gone back kind of home with both of my brothers and wives and things. So this house is absolutely packed. There's also an extension being built at the same t- time. So it's uh, ironically really busy <laughs> lockdown at the moment. So we've got uh, all that happening and it's not really the best time for video. But I've figured out a way. I've, do- I've got it all kind of working. So now I can see face reveal, kind of, I guess, if you follow me for a while. Uh, anyway, so that was the intro. Today we'll be doing, let's get all that out of the way, get all that bull out of the way. Uh, I will be going through the AEW Double or Nothing card. Send in your predictions and whatnot in the chat or whatever, or like even comments, or me on Twitter. If you follow me on Twitter, at the damn Implicat. Uh, I will be not checking it during this. There's already too much going on, and it's boiling, <laughs> and I'm British. I'm Irish-British, which is even worse, <laughs> because I'm so tired. No, like the heat, I don't do well with the heat. Anyway, (laughs) massive tangent. So I'll be going through the card for AEW Double or Nothing. I've got like graphics and things as well, so it's not just going to look at me in front of that. Also, there's only one light source, so I'm going to be shadowing a lot. And it's my laptop webcam, (laughs) so it's going to be fuzzy and crap. But most people don't care, it'll be fine. Anyway, to AEW Double or Nothing, before I get properly into it, we'll be live this Saturday after the show with LOP Radio Aftershock. As far as I know, it's just going to be me. Jean Man might join me from Dynamite After Dark, which is Laws of Pain Radio's immediate post-show for AW Dynamite. So we might be live after that. But as far as I know, we're going to be. It might just be me. And given that it's like five, I'll be normally. AW the streams in the UK over here they finish at like seven in the morning. <laughs> so I'm, I'm normally going to bed. Well, that's not entirely true. I'm normally going to bed at like half past seven. So. The likelihood of being, me being able to work this at that time is pretty slim. So we'll see how it goes. The card for Double or Nothing. I'll start at the top with the big matches and then slowly go down. Uh, just because now we're here on YouTube as well. Uh, is, just in case you are listening to the podcast version of this. Uh, why am I looking at my microphone? I do that on the podcast. <laughs> There's no one, it's like I've got a hand, friend hidden behind a wall. <laughs> but yeah, so... I will be, I could pretend I'm talking to Forky. So I am going live uh, immediately after, after Shark, so a chances of this setup working then, pretty slim. But yeah, for the podcast version, there is a picture of me, so I'm being weird and I'm moving my hands in a weird way as well. Uh, anyway, also the hair is really puffed out. <laughs> it's just gone, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's what I call heat, plus showered pretty close to this, because again, helping out with an extension being built. It's not but Anyway, none of you care. If you clicked on this, you clicked on here for predictions, didn't click on here for British man's woes and troubles. So, first off, let's talk. Mox versus Brody Lee for the AEW Championship. Let's move my sexy face all the way up so you can actually see. Hey! Hollow uh, if you want me moved, <laughs> whatever. I've got so many windows open, I don't even know how many of you are watching right now. Anyway, so have to realise something is wrong with that picture. I can't... I drew a white line at the top. I don't know if you can see it. So, that's great. No, you can't. Who cares? Who cares? So, John Moxley versus Brodie Lee for the AEW World Championship. Likely to be the main event. Uh, thinking back to this time last year when it was Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega in the first round of the AEW Championship against the semi-finals. They just did two matches. Uh, then Hangman Page beat... Somebody, he won the thing, didn't he? The battle royal. Uh, this year there is no battle royal, uh, which I remember not really liking those casino battle royals. Where I'm normally somebody who just enjoys stuff, but this time I just didn't enjoy it for some reason. So, I, and I didn't, I didn't enjoy the casino royals. I'm quite a light going chap. <laughs> I don't really get, I don't really criticize things too much, I don't really mind that that much. But for some reason, I just couldn't get into the casino battle royals. Uh, they're Battle royals, they should be fun. I think I'd say they were fun, but I wasn't really invested. Anyway, we're a whole year past that, and to think, like, Chris Jericho had an absolutely amazing reign. John Boxley made a hell of an impact after Double or Nothing last year. So, him being champion coming into it, when last year the show kind of ended on a note where everybody was talking about him, and one year later he's the champion. I like that. I like that. Chem- that. It's not chemistry. Poetry? I get symmetry. One of those. <laughs> yeah. So, one of those things. But, John Boxley has. He's kind of he's in the early stages of his championship reign, having defended against Jake Hager, and now he's going up against Brody Lee, uh, with of the Dark Order, who himself a former a WWE guy who was trying to get his release for a really long time, and this, it was the joke of um, whenever somebody mucked up like that's another three months out of Luke Harper's contract. <laughs> it's just he's yeah he's finally gotten out and immediately went to AEW, snapped him up. They've been running their uh, exalted one from Dark Order storyline for quite some time. And now he's been there for a little while. And it, it's one of those acts that's really had to find his place. And I'm not sure. he's defi- I feel like he's found his place a lot more. And he's taken influence from a lot of things for his character. Uh, you'll notice a lot of uh, Mafia movie references, especially, I guess, cult films. He's outright word for word quoted Scientology like talkers <laughs> and speakers. There's one, I can't remember his name. Like one of the leaders or head talkers of Scientology, one week, um, I remember Ryan Satin uh, of uh, Pro Wrestling... It's a Pro Wrestling Sheet. I'm, I'm an idiot. But so I remember Ryan Satin talking about, um, like, oh, he's uh, Brodie Lee's. Uh, he's just outright copying Vince McMahon here. He's doing this. And then I remember myself and Sir Sam just on Twitter just like, no, word for word quoted this Scientology guy. <laughs> like he's, he's actually taken influence from multiple places all over. And I'm pretty certain Vince McMahon is one of them. It's... I like the idea that he's taken influence from everywhere. Of course, in wrestling, as fans of things, you see the Vince McMahon one, and that kind of dominates everything. When, really in reality, it's not just that one. There's multiple places he's getting influence from, and all of them are... I like the mix, long story short. And, yeah, yeah well, it's an interesting character. I still feel like he's still finding his feet. And this is the first pay-per-view as well. So this is like the first time we've seen in AEW like a new character come in a new character debut, and then that massive gap between I guess Revolution and Double or Nothing. By that time, you've been able to establish the new character. So is it out of the realms of possibility for them to be in a top match when you've had weeks and weeks, if not months, kind of building them up? Like the one thing that's changed it is the uh, like the quarantine and everybody locking up has completely warped time. <laughs> like you kind of I, think, I still see Brody Lee as this guy who's only recently debuted for AEW and I'm kind of like in a world championship match and he's only recently debuted but then I think back on it and it's been like three or four months (laughs) it's been ages like Revolution was February and Brodie Lee debuted if I'm right on the first match of my lockdown which would have been March and we're now in May so he's been in the company uh, just shy of three months which is mental (laughs) to think about it feels like he's been there a few weeks he hasn't (laughs) so it's more than enough time to establish a character And not forgetting that this was a storyline that was happening before he got his release. Where they were building up the Exalted One. There's rumours it was going to be for Marty Skull to have his own faction. Marty Skull then obviously got that massive job for Ring of Honor. He's now essentially in charge. Which is good for Marty Skull and good for Ring of Honor. They've been an amazing amount of good press since that movie's been made. But that means it's a shame for AEW because they don't get Marty Skull's... Wisdom and brains. Uh, I'm hyping him up because he's English. <laughs> well, I kind of have to. But yeah, so there's that. And then Brody Lee is like the, I guess, second choice for it. But he works and he's made it his own, which does mean there are a few kind of contrasting things with his character. Where for AE, it's for like the original kind of thing where they're building up the Exalted One and he got the Dark Order, where there's a bit of goofiness, but there's a whole lot of cult in there. And Brody Lee's come in and he's brought a lot of. Vince McMahon's, Scient- Again, Vince McMahon's Scientology Mafia, like those three things together weren't really anything being built, it was just the court leader thing, because there's court leader stuff in there, but the influence from those other three places that you don't really get until Brodie Lee comes in and that's what he wants to do, and that was apparently one of the things the young book said to Brodie Lee, they were just saying that it's your promo. You do what you want. You say what you want in regards to this. I think that uh, that was in regards to the uh, like one of the early light light bulb promos where it's got the light bulbs in the background and he's just standing there saying, "I'm the exalted one," or you know in his voice, which I can't do. <laughs> it's just a normal voice. But yeah, so he he I I like the way he's been built up and they as this kind of cult leader who has got again the mixture of business success that Scientology teaches and I guess the the line drawn which you see with like Mafia dons, court leaders, and to an extent Vince McMahon. And he's definitely ribbed on Vince McMahon, but the other stuff is there. And that's kind of just important to me, where he's not just doing Vince McMahon. There's multiple parts in there, and that's what makes Brodie Lee for me. Is seeing all the different parts kind of play out, and you can see the influences, they do add to the character. It's not what I think they were originally building to, but it's a nice twist. The thing that obviously kind of separates it originally from the Dark Order is the fact that Evil Uno and Stu Grayson haven't been able to get to the shows. I think they're Canadian, or at least Evil Uno is. So obviously that means he would be stuck and not able to get to the shows. Like, the issue... WWE are having the exact same issue. Where they can't... there's a load of performers that are just written off, they just can't get them. So... they don't... <laughs> so they have to work way around it. Which means this version of the Dark Order feels extremely disconnected from the previous one. But that's just how things go. Anyway, but yeah. So in terms of these two, these two feuds, go with it. <laughs> in terms of the, the feud with these two, uh, Brody Lee's been very direct with what he wants. Immediately going for the AEW Championship, kind of setting himself up as a man of success, and his actions are going to prove that he's stolen the AEW Championship from John Moxley, and he's the one who will likely be walking into the match with the title. It's John Moxley's; he's the champion. But that part of the mind games and part of showing his success is he's already entering it with the championship in a way, showing that he's that confident that he's going to win it. He's that he's so confident that he's already got the championship with him. That like, I'm already the champion. It's just it just needs to be signed on the paper kind of thing. So John Moxley is just the badass guy <laughs> who kicks <laughs> Chris Jericho, Joko ass because he pissed him off, and then he Brody Lee's. Because he's got a target on his back, Brady Lee's gone after him, and John Moxley, obviously is the champion, fights back as my headphones fall off. <laughs> just like that. I've only got them on one ear, so I can actually hear the world around me. Because again, a full house I just need to prepare, just in case somebody darts in for getting them live. But yeah, so, John Moxley is essentially defending his turf, defending his uh, championship after he's had the target put on his back and somebody's come after him, so he's going after them. And the, his promo in AW this week, I thought was fantastic. Where they were, uh, they did the normal. They were Brody, Brody Lee was doing his normal stuff, building himself up again. Comes out with a championship. Uh, John Moxley then wants a piece of Brody Lee, and to try and get him out there, he has a match with Ten, and then after he defeats Ten, he puts his arm in a chair, saying, "I will break his arm. I'll do a concerto to his arm if you don't come out." And Brody Lee was just like, oh, "We almost have to make sacrifices." So I'll be leaving now. And I was just like, oh, that was fantastic. <laughs> I love that. And then Brody Lee just leaves. And John Wotsey breaks the guy breaks Ten's arm. Who uh, the commentary are putting him over? Who as the guy who'd become Brody Lee's number two, kind of exemplifying the point that Brody Lee will willingly sacrifice anyone, like even uh, even somebody who's been regarded as his number two. He just left, and he would just let him get his arm broken by moxley uh, and then Moxley's promo later as well in the show also fantastic building it up and it was talking about how things get escalated and John moxley was just talking about you don't do this and that results in this other thing happening and next and the thing that escalated this time was it just goes worse and worse and worse and uh, John moxley's now broken some guy's arm it only gets worse from here it's so, like oh what a really fantastic way to get you set up for that championship match. Just with that final line of "it only gets worse from here," after giving the other examples, and then he talks about directly he his elevating of of the danger. I guess it was him breaking that guy's arm, and now it only keeps going downhill. It keeps, it keeps getting worse. I was just, like, yeah, a fantastic framework there. In terms of predictions, <laughs> I've waffled on long enough. I'm not going to take this long over all of them because I have to go to bed at some point. Again, English it is. The next day, it's already Friday for me. <laughs> so I'd like to go to bed at some point and need my energy for Saturday night. But in terms of predictions, it's too early in John Moxley's reign, really, for him to drop it. I've got to say that John Moxley's retaining here. Uh, they have been setting up the Brody Lee character. I don't know. It doesn't feel like a match rather be a swerve. It feels like Moxley will do the better off Brody Lee, and it'll be about Brody Lee kind of exu- exuding himself. I don't know if that's right. It'll be about Brody Lee, um Kind of avenging that, I guess, in the next little while as as he avenges the wrong done against him rather than him getting beaten by somebody. He's not the character who will say, you're beaten by the better man, for example. (laughs) Just like that. Anyway, before I just move on, I want to check everything's working because there's so much going on. There's so much to bloody check. Right, next match, if I can get this to work. You ready? This is going to be amazing. Say goodbye to me. Oh. The TNT Championship. Mike Tyson will present the TNT Championship to the first ever champion in Cody versus Lance Archer. And he will be ringside along with both guys' managers. Cody having on Anderson and Lance Archer having Jake the Snake Roberts. And if I bring myself back. Huzzah. Why am I so high up? <laughs> what is going on here? Like right, go down. There we go. There we go, just ease it, it, there we go, oh, there we go, right, that's oh, still not right, is it, oh, they go professional, amazing, Like <laughs> right, so, with the AEW Championship, we've had, let me just check the stream, because that might be weirdly all over, it's so far behind, who cares, <laughs> so, the uh, AEW TNT Championship, I don't think there's an AEW in it, the uh, final of the tournament where both guys made their way to the end, uh, this kind of wraps up the arc of Lance Archer targeting Cody and to say I'm going to come after you and the way they've ended up getting to that match is by them going through a tournament. A different way, I don't know if there's a different method planned and then they kind of brought stuff forward. Uh, obviously there was the whole blood and guts thing that was meant to happen that never did. And uh, I don't know if this TNT Championship was meant to happen at a certain point in the 44. It was always going to happen, and they just changed a few things. But Cody vs. Lance Archer is a match which I can't see being bad. It's especially as there is so much room for shenanigans. <laughs> like Cody is somebody who uh, like lives off those old-school shenanigans. Like he clearly loves that older style, and we see a lot of it in his matches. I'm personally a fan. I really like that stuff. Again, I'm quite easy to please. I like a lot of wrestling things <laughs> but with Cody, he's he's a weird one because on Anderson's promo rang a lot with uh, me when I was kind of just watching it at the time where when he was talking to Jake the Snake on this week's AW, he was just saying that this is Cody kind of confirming his place as the leader, which he has proven over this past year that he is a top draw, that he is like a leader here in AW. And this championship is all about cementing that fact. He can lead with gold round his waist to properly cement a run as a top guy. And that kind of just stuck with me. I was just like, actually, the words make a lot of sense. Where he has had that year where he feels like a leading guy in AW. And it makes sense to crown that achievement. He has become a leader. Lance Archer, on the other hand, has just been absolutely devastating. (laughs) and <laughs> destroyed everybody. And he, as he's... as he has, oh, I can't really speak. He's had his eye targeted on Cody the entire time. So it kind of, it makes sense for him to go after Cody as that's been his... As it go after Cody? It makes sense for him to win the championship as he's been going after Cody since his debut. Uh, not quite like Sean Spears, where it's targeted. Why is the head to his down? I think it's because it's hot. <laughs> so, yeah, with... So with Lanzarjo, it's been that... Um, kind of focus on I am going to get to Cody Rhodes it's not like Sean Spears where he is directly set on that one thing uh, he's perfectly happy just to beat people up and enjoy it but he wants to go after Cody and I don't know if that's part of Jake the Snake where he's just saying no, this is the guy you've got to go for and Jake the Snake kind of directs the anger and the monster of Lance Archer towards Cody but Lance Archer will want championships he wants to beat people up obviously if you're the champion then you've got a target on your back and what would Lance Archer love more than that? <laughs> to have people willingly trying to go into the ring with him that he can just destroy. So it makes a lot of sense in terms of what Arn Anderson was saying in that promo in terms of Cody like this can cement him as the leader he's kind of become just to put that final pin on it and like you are the leader now Gooduns. <laughs> Gooduns. <laughs> but that's Archer is it built him up as an amazing monster heel. And again, this one could cement him as somebody to really mess with. So either guy is a good one. There will be shenanigans. Mike Tyson will punch somebody. Uh, he's. Uh, On Anderson made the point that he is free to roam around the ring where Jake the Snake and Arnold Anderson will both be. Jake the Snake will get involved. Things will happen. Mike Tyson is punching somebody. Unless, why else is Mike Tyson there? <laughs> he's punching someone. And uh, obviously presenting the TT Championship as well a massive honour. So either they go with the feel-good moment, which WWE seem to have gone that way as well. Where in this quarantine lockdown period they've just been going a road where they just give the fans kind of that happy feeling on a pay-per-view. And I wouldn't be surprised really if AW go that same route just because it's proven to be the thing that the customer wants. So you give the customer what they want and in that case it's been the feel-good moments. But AEW are also thinking long term with this kind of stuff. And it would cement Lance Archer. So you can also have that spot where Mike Tyson is unwillingly crowning Lance Archer. Maybe that's when he knocks out Jake the Snake. Or he knocks out Big Man Lance Archer. I don't know if I'd like that, but that's also a possibility. Just because he built him up as a monster. And if Mike Tyson knocks him out, that's the issue. Quite a few people have when WWE do that thing where... Uh, you have the real fighter come in and destroy the wrestler. It's like, oh it just takes a bit of creed. It'll be a funny moment. <laughs> I'd probably laugh at it. <laughs> I'd probably enjoy it. But uh yeah, I can't really ignore the fact that yeah it could be maybe not the smartest thing in the world. But still, either option I am fine with in terms of who wins. I'm assuming it's gonna be Cody. Just because as soon as Owen Anderson said that, in that promo, I was just like, yes, it all makes sense. I'm trying to tilt my head. <laughs> from like this, I'm lit, but from like that It's all wrong. I've got too long a neck and too too big a head of hair. (laughs) So anyway, this match will be full of shenanigans and it'll be fun and enjoyable. Cody will probably bleed. Uh, The question is normally like, what's the time for him to bleed? Uh, In MJF versus Cody the answer was MJF blood is a trick question. And Cody's probably getting back to bleeding here. Maybe to just exemplify the beating he takes from Lance Sartre before he wins. That could be it uh, could be my assumption just to really sell Lance Archer as this monster and really go for it. So when he locks in... I don't know if he's going to do the claw because he took the... You know, the claw. Ah. Oh, my hands are quite big on the camera. <laughs> so you take the claw from uh, Von Erich, which uh, he did, which Lance Archer was doing in New Japan. And it was it's really over in New Japan, that kind of move. I don't know if it translates as well, especially in... Uh, I guess... A, the submissions work in AEW because they've got that, uh, the other wrestlers there working as a live crowd. In, in WWE, when there's no response from anything, apart from the commentators, um, I'm not sure if this style would work, where you've got a bloody Cody Rhodes and he locks in the claw and it's on for ages. Uh, in AEW's production, in the way that they do it, it could work. Especially with because you've got those fans around ringside kind of just screaming about it. And you'll have the peop- shenanigans people there as well, so that could be a nice visual. I don't know which one I want. I'm going to assume it's Cody. But I've taught myself into Lance Archer. Which is how these bloody predictions always go. Unless I'm being... Why am I doing that? Just in case I'm being silly. So, yeah. Uh, Right, before we move on to the next thing, let's see. uh, Is there a comment that makes sense that I can read? Uh, Nope, doesn't make sense. Right, go for it. Uh, Yeah. If you have any comments, just send them in. And again, if not live, send me on Twitter at DM or you can send me in the comments. I will hopefully remember to check them because I'm awful at this. Uh, right, time for more nonsense with. Let's get ready to rumble. What are you doing? There we go. There we go. Say goodbye to me. There we go. I'd say hello to. Oh, Stampede. <laughs> Stadium Stampede. The first ever in, I guess, wrestling history. Where we. As they've got use of the Jacksonville Stadium. It makes sense (laughs) to just have a massive brawl there, because there's no NFL, so why not take a massive advantage of that? Uh, The inner circle versus the elite in what will be an absolutely chaotic brawl. It's a falls count anywhere, and it will be absolute mayhem. So it's not one of those absolute brawls to, and then it just ends. There will be a pinfall in this, because it's falls count anywhere. Uh, There will likely have to be referees all over the place, given if they do separate and brawl, a pin could happen at any one point. Uh, and obviously the other wrestlers, I guess, find out on walkie-talkie. <laughs> I've not really thought. I've not thought about the logistics of that. I've put myself back. Well, bam! Yeah. Oh, there you go. That was fine. Yeah. So, with the with this one, I'm just expecting chaos. In terms of predictions, what do you predict? Just nonsense. <laughs> just silly, fun bits. Like we saw with the ball the other uh, the other week, where they are just coming up with such inventive things and just silly stuff. Or as Chris Jericho put it. Hey, Matt, can you fit in that ice bucket? ice bucket? What's it called? Oh, no. That was a funny gag, but I've ruined it. <laughs> but yeah. So, just randomly walking around the window. Hey, can you fit in that? Yeah, I reckon I could fit in that. Yeah. Well, why don't you jump out of it? That'd be fantastic, yes. <laughs> so, uh, or just in-the-moment stuff. Apparently, because Joko drunkenly put in the cone on his head. <laughs> that was just improvised. They, It's one of those matches where the, the planned stuff <laughs> and the scripted stuff, uh, they meshed really well. And it was just a nonsense from Brawl. Uh, obviously we've got Sammy Guevara getting run over and creating amazing Mario Kart memes. <laughs> so yes, thank you for that. Uh, this will be super fun. Like Just to show the creativeness... He's going all the time. I need a counter at the bottom for headset adjustments. Uh, but yeah, so... With... Uh, with... Um, what am I we talking about? Yeah, so with uh, like this week where we saw the creativeness of the way that Hangman Page came in. Which, if I'm right, on being the elite he started running. And then he arrived at the very end of the uh, episode of Dynamite where they were brawling uh, kind of at like the start area of the field and then he pelted the entire pitch <laughs> like he came out of the uh runway and just pelt- pelted it down the runway is that right who cares i don't do football <laughs> so he then ran down the pitch and just immediately clobbered somebody and then yes just i love that and continuing that story of he's just still the same feelings where he's uh not getting on with the books or especially Matt Jackson and that tension is still there that even though he's not been on television for quite a while he's been one of those unfortunate parties that hasn't been able, hasn't been able to get to the tapings so this is his return and he's just reminding everyone that that storyline is still intact where after he beat them up he then just walked away in the background as the remaining four people with like Matt Hardy the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega stood as the elite showed on the TitanTrons or The big screens... Because Titantron's the big wrestling thing. Uh, Wrestling brain! (laughs) Big screens equals Titantron. (laughs) That's how it works. Uh, But anyway... The... The match itself is going to be pure nonsense. In terms of predicting it... Who knows? In terms of who's going to win... It could be in a circle... Just to... Add to that... That kind of... um, The friction between the... uh, the Members of the elite. I don't I think Hammond Pay said he officially left. Or... That was him saying that. I don't know how official it is. Uh, Anyway... That, that that fraction needs to be kind of just pushed a little bit more. Put a, put a needle in the crack just to, yeah, just nudge it that little bit closer. And with that, the Inner Circle kind of established themselves a bit more because since losing the championship, Chris Jericho has uh, kind of, he's, he's been great still, but obviously he doesn't feel as dangerous an entity. Uh, the Inner Circle, i will be perfectly fine with them winning here, just establishing themselves as this solid unit because the elite is fractured. So just go with that. It makes sense that the Elite would not work together as well as the Inner Circle because of that fraction that's there. Will there be a heel turn? I doubt it. Calling Hammond Page a heel turn is really doing it kind of... Uh, when I say disservice, I mean it's way more complex than that. Yes, he is having issues with them and doing, I guess, heelish things and might turn on them. But his reasons... Because I think that's what one of the things that was being talked about in the... I guess the build-up to AEW properly starting, was they, when Cody said the phrase that straight-up heels and baby faces is archaic, but I kind of took that as to mean you can, especially in television, where the thing for me is WWE is very representative of television of a certain era, whilst TV now has moved on, and it's we want way more complex characters. We don't just want the superhero to come in and save the day. We want complex characters and storylines and watch them play out over a long amount of time. Um technically, like Netflix, we binge it, but we watch it with it it's an like it's like ten hours long, a Netflix thing, and you watch that kind of play out over amount of time, rather than your forty minutes, wham bam, it's all written up and done. That that's kind of there's been a massive shift in that. So it kind of makes sense for wrestling to also emulate that movement. And for like the Handman Page thing to kind of slowly... like You understand why he would be angry at them. And if you do it slow enough, it's not a heel turn. It's just an understandable friction and a split where neither party's really in the right. Like, at, in the match at Revolution, which is still my match of the year, from America. Let's <laughs> not get into comparing it with Japan. That's a completely different podcast. But this is... build, Yeah, this is... Both teams, I stutter about all over the place. It's getting close to midnight, <laughs> 1 a.m. Sorry. Uh, so with both of the, like both teams at that match of evolution, both of them were being heel dicks. <laughs> like both of them, there was like neither guy was really in the right. Like Matt Jackson and Roman Page were both being dicks. <laughs> so it doesn't really, it doesn't really make one better than the other. Both were in the wrong. So when you see it as oh he might turn heel, it was like well no, it's more complex than that. And I really like ADW for giving that kind of presentation and for it to play out over such a long amount of time that you don't really feel like either guy's in the right because you've had time to play it out and show multiple sides of people being dicks. So, yeah. I think I've said dicks enough for a YouTube stream. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah, prediction in a circle. In terms of chaos, I don't know. Do we have a skit where someone does a touchdown with somebody? Like Jake Hager does the like the Bulldog power slam onto the touchdown field and fireworks go off or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, or you get it on up, up, up the Titan Tron, like Touchdown or something like that. They feel, it feels wacky enough to do that. And I don't know how pre-recorded in nature it's going to be, because if it's pre-recorded enough you can Matt Hardy can have his Impact Wrestling superpowers. <laughs> That's where, like, as in um, like if the pyro comes up with fire when he comes out with Damascus written on top of the screen and all that ludicrousness, but In TNA, he generally shot fire out of his hands. They edited it in. Like Jeremy Borash was such a massive part of that that you could even tell when the Hardys left. They did something with Drake Maverick and well, obviously Rockstar Spud at the time. And I want to say EC3, but I think it was somebody else. Where they travelled to a foreign country and they did all this stuff with a feud, and it was done in such a similar way that it really worked. And he just saw the influence of Jeremy Borash and the fact that he's in WWE now. And apparently had some say in at least one of the uh, like sh- uh, off-location shoots. I don't know about Money in the Bank, but he definitely had an off-location like involvement in either the Undertaker match or the Bray Wyatt John Cena one. I can't remember which one it is. Either way, you can see his influence in the like the Rockstar Spud stuff when the Hardys had left. But the Hardys obviously a massive part of that as well, so it's kind of like the two creative people it now split off and they in different companies both still nailing that concept. <laughs> so it's great to see. Uh, I, I don't really know how far they're going to go with this. Because the Matt Hardy character, I don't know how much of a long stay it's got, really. It's, it's weird because the WWE run did a really good job of souring you on this character. And now immediately in this time, to me, it feels like the character is of its time. When it it was coming about, it was innovative and it was really, really interesting. But now it's kind of feel like it's like past that his time was those years ago. And he's only really getting to elaborate it and flesh it out in the way he wanted to, like years later when the time for it would have been years ago, which sucks, really. But I'm still enjoying the nonsense, but I'm not super invested in the nonsense about Hardy. That makes sense. Well, I feel like I'm perfectly fine with him now and this pay-per-view. But were it to go on much longer, <laughs> not entirely sure. And of course, we're having to change things about for the quarantine world that we're in. And assumably because Cody would have been in that match. Because it would have been Blood and Guts. And it would have been Cody in there. But with things that have changed about now, Cody in the TNT Championship match. And now Matt Hardy's in this. It did feel like Matt Hardy was like a man replacement for like Hammond Page not being there as well. And now Hammond Page is back in. So, yeah, there's a lot going on, really. I don't know how long it really works with Matt Hardy in this, but it's fine enough. So, yeah. Anyway, moving on to the next thing. The next bloody thing, because there's so much to bloody do. Right, next up, as I say goodbye, goodbye, to the Casino Letter Match. Nonsense. (laughs) Nonsense in a shell, Turtle Power. So... The casino ladder match for an AEW World Title shot. Uh, some, some people pointing out, but what about the rankings? I don't know. <laughs> it's it's a weird one where the rankings is something that makes like totals makes sense in wording before you see it in operation, and then how wrestling works, or we've, how we've learned for wrestling to work, it kind of contradicts a system like that. So if you try and stick hardcore to a ranking system, you can't really break out of the box, and AEW got the ranking system but then they also don't confine themselves to purely just working with that but obviously having a ladder match like this means you jump the ranking system So, is it contradictory or is it just making sure they don't box themselves into only keeping a ranking system? Seemingly, whoever, uh, whichever one, depending on what kind of fan of AEW you are, you get a completely different answer every time and both parties seem pretty strong either way yeah, for me personally, I don't take wrestling seriously enough to care. <laughs> Ladder match equals fun. Let's go for it. Let's bring me back, baby. Ah, oh, I'm getting so sweaty. <laughs> so, the competitors that you can see on the screen. Kazarian from S.E.U., SCU. Scorpio Sky from SCU. Darby Allin, Orange Cassidy, Luchasaurus, Phoenix, Kip Sabian, Colt Cabana, who did a beautiful moonsault. Be a beautiful moonsault uh, on Dynamite this week. Uh, over, like Phoenix was doing lots of his bounce and flips and had a bad landing but Colt Caballo just came in and did an moon salt and it was, beautiful. <laughs> it was amazing <laughs> He just came in and did it just perfect it's just like oh, you, you can't do it better than that <laughs> I thought he just absolutely nailed it and a mystery competitor who will it be is it a former WWE guy or is it somebody from the indies or is it someone like Jeff Cobb who we've seen on the scene before or it could, it could be an indie person that's done relatively well. It could be Pineapple Pete, <laughs> for all we know. And either way, it's interesting to do this because a mystery opponent in a match without a crowd, but you've got the workers who are there. Um, I, I did see oh, Billy Gunn's son, whatever his name is. He was tweeting that he's really enjoying uh, being there at ringside for all of these shows, and he wish he, he selfishly wishes that he could just be at all of them. <laughs> just do this for ages. Uh, so... He can react to it, (laughs) I guess. Uh, You can be responsible for us just reacting to that. Anyway, so I've got no idea who the mystery person will be. There's word. It could be one of the WWE guys who got let go. Uh, There's Again, it could be anybody from the indie scene who's like, obviously, you've got the current era where they're just not working, so this could be a nice little thing for them. Is there somebody returning that's been missing that I just can't think of getting close to (laughs) 1am? I don't know. Uh, But either way, this will be a super fun match, and I don't really know who is going to win this one. I look at because it, it could be like, anybody really. I don't know who they're going to elevate. It could be in terms of elevating somebody. Darby Allen is there on the cusp. For me, it makes sense with what they're doing with Taz and everything, where Darby Allen is shrugging off his advice. It makes sense that either Taz bring, brings in somebody who did accept his advice who did ha- accept his advice, who Jeff Cobb will be bloody brilliant. <laughs> That's where I'm going for that. But if you do do that, then you, you've you got your feud for Darby Allen, which for me, I would want Darby Allen to not win this, to kind of... It even doesn't have to be Taz, but if Darby Allen then has a bit of self-doubt after not winning, as a plane goes over my house, hopefully you can't hear that. The mic seemed fine <laughs> earlier. Uh, but either way, I don't really have any idea who's going to win this one. All I can say is I don't want to be Darby Allen, because his story seems perfect for it to not be him. Luchasaurus could be a fun one-off, although there seems to be building to him versus Wardlow within all of his stuff with uh, Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt, going against MJF. Then with Scorpio Sky or Kazarian, we've already seen the Scorpio Sky thing as well. Um, You would assume it could be a heel, given that John Moxley is likely to attain against Brodie Lee. So if that does happen, obviously it happens later in the night, but let's assume Moxley's winning. Therefore, we get rid of all the baby faces, Unless you have Moxley versus Cassidy, which if I'm right, did happen on the indie scene before AEW went into full play. And if I want to say it was great, would, Moxley was fantastic against Tori Yano, creating the, like, the best pic- meme picture. <laughs> when Moxley's just looking distraught, it's like, oh my God. And then it's got Yano going, ha ha ha. <laughs> Moxley's just distraught. It's just like the ghost of uh, Yano, Ettore Yano, haunting John Moxley. <laughs> just, so Moxley gets comedy. So him versus Cassidy could be amazing. Could be the mystery guest. always feels like the big guy who could be it. Phoenix would give you a fantastic match. You get your story of the like last opportunity with uh, Colt Cabana. What happened there? <laughs> a complete blank on who Colt Cabana is. <laughs> I'm looking at his face. It's going... What is your name? <laughs> I've just said it. Uh, it's alright, I complimented his Asai Moonsault earlier. So, that's all done. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I've gone through almost everybody that could win. Because Aaron could be a similar story to Colt Cabana, because you've already done Scorpio Sky against Chris Jericho. Unless you want to again go Scorpio Sky, but in terms of the momentum going into this, it doesn't feel quite right. If you want to cement Kip Sabian a bit higher, give him a championship match, he loses. Just... But he again feels like somebody who's kind of solidifying himself in the mid-card and pushing him up that high. Might not be the smartest thing in the world. I did that off-camera, so enjoy my arm going up. <laughs> the uh, Phoenix, I kind of like Death Triangle. Seems to be going somewhere, and they're slowly building to it, then the quarantine happens. Pack is stuck in Newcastle, he can't get to America to do it. He cut an amazing promo putting Phoenix over, so <laughs> at least there's that. Uh, I don't know if Pentacon Junior is also in a state where he can't go to the shows. Um, I assumed he would be in a similar location to Phoenix, so maybe there's something else there, which means they're not. Yeah, he's not able to get back in the country, or he just is injured or doesn't want to go. Who knows? He's not there. <laughs> that's all I can say. I have no idea why he's not there. The mystery guest is a big one, because you could put a massive finger on it being the mystery guest, unless that's just a red herring, or it's like a storyline thing. As I was saying, like Jeff Cobb, accompanied by Taz, would be something to mess with Darby Allen. It's like For example, if that happens, so you can have Taz come out uh, bro, a Brandy style. Actually, if you do it as a nice callback, two double or nothing last year, where Brandy Rhodes came out uh, with to the women's, champ- uh, I really say women's championship match. No, it was just a women's match, wasn't it? The championship didn't exist back then. So it was a four women's match. Well, it was a three. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was a three women's match. And then uh, Brandy Rhodes came out. And I, I want this match, I want it to be great, but really I want it to be awesome, I'll paraphrased. And then Awesome con comes out, the crowd go crazy. They could do it as a, get a little callback to that with, again, Taz coming out, a Bit uh, Bart Gunn, is it Bart, no Bart Gunn, <laughs> the guy who won Baby Gunn, what is his name? Billy Gunn's son <laughs> goes crazy for Taz and then they suddenly realise, oh, it's, it's actually this guy. I would go with Jeff Cobb uh, just to, again, shooting down Taz but also Darby Allen just not winning the match and that not playing out at all then next week you can have Taz go look you didn't want my advice if you want my advice now I could. Gen- I just want to help genuinely just want to help you you don't have to do the Taz immediate heel turn brings out Hoss to destroy Darby Allen. you can slowly build to that as I'm assuming that's where it's going <laughs> He just Taz has already got somebody who he's managing and this Darby Allen thinks just set up a feud you could easily do that. And AEW have given me the confidence that they would happily build, just keep doing that for another few weeks before introducing something rather than running crazy with it. Especially in a lockdown quarantine where you kind of get your skeleton crews. And who knows what's going to happen with that. So it kind of makes sense to not bank on being able to just pull in names and names and names. It makes sense to kind of try and keep it in-house and play things out. Just let them develop. Don't burn through your stuff. <laughs> just let them slowly burn out. I didn't realise my head was so slippy during summer weather. <laughs> my thing is coming off. Uh, well, I've, it's predictions, though. I've got to bloody pick someone. Ah, oh, I will go with the Phoenix. Let's go for it, Phoenix. Phoenix versus Moxley, a good match. Although, from going with the entertaining side of it, Orange Cassidy wins. He's Mega Over, go for it. He obviously doesn't win the max against Moxley. Like, like with his uh, match against Phoenix, like he obviously doesn't win, but he puts in a good shift in it, and you're like, oh, like like Santino Morella with Daniel Bryan at the end of the Elimination Chamber. Of course, Orange Cassidy doesn't beat <laughs> John Moxley, but you can tease it and things, and John Moxley really does get comedy wrestling, so you will be fantastic. Oh, I was gonna go with just a smart choice of a wrestler I'd like to see in a more title match, but screw it. Orange Cassidy. <laughs> this is, scratch that. Let's just go for the silly thing. Right. Let's say goodbye to me. Huzzah. Uh, I can do that. I can take a swig of water now. Ooh, 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 ooh. Enjoy the sexy picture. Right. Let's get up the next match. The AW Women's Championship in a no disqualification match and no count out. I guess that's. Was that technically no holds barred, no rules barred? If, I don't remember. I don't know if that's a WWE thing because I remember kind of going through what the, what was allowed and not allowed in those different matches. And it's actually really weird <laughs> that's, wait, what is allowed in each one and what isn't. Like, there's only one match where something isn't allowed, but I can't remember what it is. Yes, crazy, crazy world. So Nyla Rose, the champion, defending against Ikaru Shida, the challenger, who has been the number one seed for weeks and weeks. I think they said eight or nine weeks. She's been the number one contender at the top of the AW women's rankings. Obviously, highly influenced by the uh, COVID kind of lockdown things. So you've only got your skeleton crew. But the women have really found themselves during these like, kind of last little whiles. Back I come. Oh, oh, yes, laptop webcam. <laughs> Enjoy the noise back on the camera. So, Shida has been. Fantastic, and they've done a really good job over these eight weeks just establishing her, as I was saying, with that streak. Because that's how long, if I'm right, the lockdown's been. And she's, Karashida, uh, for that entire time has just built her up to this. She's stayed undefeated and she's felt like a like a genuine threat. Uh, this week she got help, but she was able to overcome Nyla Rose. It's kind of like the logic of, well, I, be- I did best you at the end of AEW, that that means I can do it again. I don't think she will. For <laughs> I me, mean, this is about cementing Nyla Rose. There was the again the massive issue of that Nyla Rose was not there for weeks, but they gave the benefit of you got to build the other women. So was a took a massive benefit out of that. Britt Baker has been just gold <laughs> during this pandemic. She's been fantastic. Uh, Plenty of Ford got to shine. Who was the other person in the women's match this week? Britt Baker got potentially injured we'll talk about that later Chris Statlander as well uh, she's already had her feature uh, having a match at Revolution but again got to show off in this uh this week of AW as well so really the women's division has really started to feel like it's a division started to really get fleshed out and I'm feeling really positive really about the women's division kind of go forward Hikaru Shida feels like a genuine threat and a genuine contender where you just assume Nyla Rose is going to win What is up with my hair? You just assume Nyla Rose is going to win. And that looks really weird. Sidetracked, (laughs) he just, this video thing's gonna completely do me in with tangents. (laughs) So uh, yeah, so you just assume Nyla Rose is going to win, but Hikaru Shida has been built up so well that you could see it happening, which is really the benefit. That's that's really what you want. That is what you want with this kind of thing. You want to believe that she could, even if in your heart of hearts, you know she isn't. (laughs) But you feel like she could. So that's I'm assuming that's what we're going to build off of, where Nyla Rose is going to be that dominant monster of a champion that we've seen her be before, and then Ikashida's going to be that threat we've already seen her built up as on AEW. She's likely going to kendo stick Nyla Rose uh, again. I watched Double or Nothing from last year again just to refresh myself of what happened in that match. Ikashida does distract the referee and use a kendo stick on Aja Kong. So again, a callback. She can do that. The referee gets distracted and she's the one that uses the outside weapon. The foreign, foreign object weapon, that's it. So she can easily do that. And that's how you could think that she's Nine of Rose. Or of Rose goes for a steel chest. She goes to use the underhand tactic. But she actually beats her to it. And it turns out, while well, she was doing that, she got her own weapon. So you can easily play off of that. I, I don't know how much she she is going to get in this match. Like It's been a thing with AW where they really have no worries in having their challengers get really I guess, really close to that pinfall. Like you really do believe that they could win in that moment, that they did something that was enough, and then it just... yeah, it, it put, The champion survives and then gets momentum back. It's something like about New Japan for wrestling as well, where the challenger will get that steam, and they'll get that momentum, and they hit a flurry of moves, uh, but it's in a way that really makes you think they could actually win it. It's normally like towards the end of the match where... the Champion has already dominated, already had their spree, but then the champion just gets an amazing string, And uh, yeah, AW haven't... Um, I think the women... I think Chris match against Chris Statlander generally suffered. I can't remember if there was an injury to Chris Statlander or if she was ill, I think it was. So she was never 100%. of Rose might have been dealing with an injury because she disappeared for quite a while after that. Again, COVID. <laughs> so maybe it wasn't. But yeah. I don't really know what's going to... Happen in terms of, like, predictions outside of Nyla Rose wins. Ikaro has a comeback. She uses a Kendra stick maybe at some point. I don't really know. Uh, I'm expecting a knee kick out. Ikaro utilises that running knee. And I'm expecting Nyla Rose to either just duck out the way or get fully kicked with it and kick out. Just to get her as a monster. And Ikaro was, ugh, ugh, again. Oh, you have to do that wide-eyed thing, don't you? Like, oh my god, I can't believe you kicked out. And then you have to go for it again and that's where you get destroyed or you go for something crazy and it doesn't pay off i don't know (laughs) this anyway none of us are going to win i don't really have much more to say about it i'm already sweaty enough so let's move on to the next match which is say goodbye to which is the uh, i said uh, there we go (laughs) that's how technology works right you make a noise and if it doesn't respond make it again Uh, mjf versus jungle boy in a match which is happening, and assumably had some setup. It's, it's kind of had set-up, I guess. So say goodbye to Jungle Boy's nips. Hey! <laughs> what an introduction. <laughs> so, uh, again, the podcast people are going to just love these bits of it. Oh, it, just, it just works so well for podcasts for me to go, oh, oh, let's get the thing up. Oh, say goodbye to nipples. <laughs> oh, I'm working both audiences here, guys. It's, it's going really well. So... For me, this is MJF keeps its momentum. Uh, They mentioned on AW this week that MJF is undefeated in AW, and it just dawned on me, yeah, obviously, for those first months up until the turn, he was with Cody by Cody's side, helping out out in brawls, teasing a turn, and then at the pay-per-view full gear, the turn happened. So then he got to sell the turn, and then he uh, he pays... Braxton Sutter, what's his name? Butcher and Blade. <laughs> such a nerd. <laughs> uh, Butcher and Blade pays them off to be the mercenaries for him and MJF since then has been now and then just getting a win to keep that momentum going and just dawn on me, it's like, oh yeah, they've been telling such a strong story that I just completely, or oh, like an arc or building him up so well, I just completely forgot about his record where it just made, everything they were doing just made sense in how he would build him up. That like, it didn't even dawn on me that he's undefeated. It's like, oh, that's just like another... Like another thing you can use for MJF, where he's this absolute prick, but he's really, really good. <laughs> and he's undefeated, and uh, Jungle Boy, I guess in a way, comes in a little bit of an underdog. Uh, this is AW uh, giving the the future of their promotion, where, like guys like MJF and uh, Jungle Boy. I'll go and like hopefully if AW continues to, to continues to succeed, then these two will be like high up the card in years down the road, and MJF. Versus Jungle Boy is sorry, my mouse is glowing, glowing different colours. So hopefully that's not on the screen, but MJF and uh, Jungle Boy. It's I, I was trying to think. Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara was that match at the last pay per view, and this pay- this match has got that kind of similar feeling where it's the showcase of the future, where you just give them this mid card match and let them have at it, uh, get get each other over, and then the end of the thing. Uh, MJF will be the heavier favourite, I reckon, just because of who he's been, who he's already beaten, and who he is kind of, uh, I guess, aligned with when he's in matches, as in who's he against. It just feels like it's a higher calibre, like who he's interacting with. That's a bloody word, interacting. It's not difficult to find, <laughs> so it, you don't really know how much Jungle Boy is going to get in, because uh, again, I'm expecting MJF to be a prick and all that. Uh, part of MJF's thing is the other person starts to out-wrestle him, then Wardlow does something, and then MJF gets back. Because they don't paint MJF as, oh, he's all it's all talk, but he's not anything in the ring. Like, they don't do it that way. MJF can back it up in the ring. Sometimes he needs a little help, but he can carry most of the weight himself. Uh, and as soon as where this will go, uh, Jungle Boy will at some point start to have that momentum flash that I was talking about with the challenger. Like, if you picture MJF as the champion, I was such a similar flow, where MJF gets that build-up, and then Jungle Boy gets his momentum, he snatches it, and it looks like he's going for it, and that's when Wardlow does something, and yada, yada, yada. Will Marco Stunt be out there to help, <laughs> I guess? Personally, I'd prefer Marco Stunt... I've, already... I've just done the fingers, I've got to do it again. Uh, the Marco Stunt... I preferred that was in the ladder match that was a crap joke <laughs> but I paused to do it anyway uh, anyway so Marcus Stunn, I prefer to see him in the ladder match to do something it could be in both I guess uh, just as the, the gag that he's really not an equalizer to Wardlow like his purpose to be there is to stop shenanigans but Wardlow just launches him into like the wrestlers in the crowd again a benefit of it not being a genuine crowd and it's your employees it's other wrestlers you can chuck him into the crowd <laughs> just launch Marco stunt away. <laughs> Personally, that would look amazing. But then again, do you want that something like that where Wardlow just completely dismisses him? Or would you prefer a ladder match spot with Marco stunt doing a massive stunt? You could do both, I guess, but you can only have one Marco stunt pop really on a show. <laughs> Don't want too much of him. Uh, anyway, but MJF is going to win here. Keep that Unders streak going. Jungle Boy is not the guy to take it from him. He's going to get his slow gradual build as it is. There's not really any point in getting MJF to lose here. Why would he lose the streak to Jungle Boy of all people? Continue building that up. Just continue to build him undefeated. Yeah, go with that. There's not really much more to say because it'll be a mid-card match, which is showing stuff. There's Jungle Boy's nipples again, everybody. Enjoy those for a second. Right, the penultimate match of the main card. Britt Baker. Sorry, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Versus Chris Statlander. And the, this one is, as far as I know, in a bit of doubt. After Bit Baker might have sustained an injury in the tag team match this week on Dynamite. Where uh, Nyla Rose was suplexed into a Bit Baker who was in the corner. And just immediately she was just looking at her leg like, ah, oh. oh, crap. As in the... It's like that kind of, I don't know if I, it didn't look like, I don't know whether to call it, because sometimes you get shocked when you get an injury, and it's kind of, you kind of just zone out stuff in a way, and you look like, you got that look on your face where you're just staring at it, or just staring, thinking. Uh, but also, you could just be thinking, oh crap, um, oh, someone in WWE had that reaction, where they got injured and they were just pissed uh, Oh, the, the only one that's coming to my head blatantly is Randy Orton when he separated his shoulder, but I didn't know if that came across as him doing fantastic stay in character I can't remember if I'm thinking of the right one uh, anyway, it's ha- I've seen it in WWE before where somebody gets that injury and you can just see it on the face, that they're just like, oh, for god's sake why now? Uh, Wade Barrett he did it, I can't remember what happened to him but he was getting that push and he seemingly could have been like a top main event guy and then he seemed to just get injury after injury which just sucked and then they never had faith in him Either way, Britt Baker has been absolute gold. (laughs) I said this earlier, but she's been absolute gold in this women's division during this pandemic. Uh, Really gotten her character over. It was going well anyway. Uh, Her interacting with Tony Schiavone was getting her over the hill as it was. But now she's like genuinely like she's got her character like nailed down. And that really helps make the division feel like a lot more fleshed out and alive. Having a character that fleshed out and... That like she just she just feels like a character now, which is great, and it absolutely sucks that she got that injury. Who's back? Oh, it's me. I keep going for the yeah. As I said earlier, on a laptop, and I keep I've purposefully put a mouse connected so I don't have to do this. <laughs> my arm, and then when I turn it back on, you see a weird bending arm. <laughs> it looks so strange. <laughs> I going to bend it like that. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, anyway, so I uh, put my arm down now cause <laughs> it's really strange. So with with this batch, it I don't know if it's definitely called off. If it goes ahead, I'm predicting a bit Baker because that's like the next kind of step for her is to cheekily get a win over somebody on a pay per view. Just because the character has been nailed so much, it makes sense for like her getting herself across as a role model. It makes sense for her to then on a grand stage cheat to win. That's just that's just the next note in the in the arc. It makes perfect sense. And Chris Statlander. Kind of add to her character, just her getting pissed off at being on the end of that. That's exactly what. Like really, just they give the if they give them 10-15 minutes, like AW aren't shy in giving a lower card match time. That does often result in again in imp going to bed at seven in the morning. <laughs> but it does mean that the characters get their time to play out. You're not rushing through something. Uh, and this one could get 10 minutes or so, just to properly play out. And then Britt Baker. Is yeah, if he pulls the heel card and does the cheeky roll up a cheat or something, and that's how Chris Statlander loses. Uh, she has been winning with the submission though, normally leading to something. So, whatever causes Chris Statlander to be damaged enough so that Mick Baker can then lock in the claw thing, whatever it is she does. <laughs> don't, that's just me being a camp tiger. <laughs> I don't really know. What's the phrase? Oh, I'm a dandelion. That's it, <laughs> but yeah, so. I don't really know. I've seen that a lot. <laughs> There's one thing to take away from this live stream. Is that when Imps hot, he just, knows <laughs> he just doesn't know things. He just doesn't know things. just So yeah, I just don't know things. Yeah, anyway, I'm going for Rick Baker to win in the predictions of this one. Just how the match will play out. Again, just 10 minutes of them getting in the stuff. And whenever Chris, that, whenever Chris Statlander shows that momentum, Brit Baker can be a role model. Be a role model. And uh, get all back on top. So, yeah, I've got just as much to say. You can tell I'm getting tired <laughs> because it is again. I'm going for the bloody say things. So you can see my bending arm. Goodbye. Let's not do that. Right. Next up. There we go. Dustin Rhodes versus Sean Spears at Double or Nothing. So this was uh, Sean Spears on this week's uh, AEW, talking about uh, on. Oh, what do you have? He had his SSN where it's Sean Spears news. And he's fully dressed up like a proper news actor, and then the graphics along the bottom. I thought it was fantastic. (laughs) I thought it was great. Uh, Yeah, generally enjoyed Sean Spears. Also, the uh, Dynamite After Dark guys, Gemini and Jeff. man on that show does not like Sean Spears. He's never cared for him. And he loved that Sean Spears news segment. (laughs) So they are onto a winner with that. When even Jan, when even he. just cannot stand Sean Spears and he's like oh I really enjoyed that <laughs> that says something um, but again in this one it's he's going after Dustin Rhodes to keep his rivalry short with Cody going and the thing I really like about it so far as I bring myself back on the screen the thing I like about that so far is that Cody's doing his own thing and Sean Spears he's got this agenda against Cody and he's generally serious and not wanting to let it go and Cody's just moving on he's going for the TNT Championship well, Sean Spears is like calling him out still and everything going after him and going after Dustin Rhodes is part of that. And the way he got to it, obviously that really smart thing of going on television and asking for the match. And he's just like, well, I've asked for it now. What are you going to do? Not give it to the fans after I've publicly asked for a match and set it up in that way? He says, like, oh, yes, I really like that. So he gets his way to Dustin Rhodes. I don't know if this is going to be, is that, there's that thing of me not knowing things again. Uh, <laughs> Will Dustin Rhodes get his comeback after losing to Hager, after being used as the guy who's putting others over, does he get a win over Sean Spears here? Or is he used yet again to get someone over who kind of needs the win? I'd be happy with both. I feel like Sean Spears is in that position where if he goes after Cody but keeps losing, then that's a perfectly fine story and he falls... Yes, he falls down the card. But I guess it's a fine story of Cody being right. When Cody said, like, over a year and a half ago, whenever it was, when Cody said, oh yeah, he's a good hand. He'd be a fantastic trainer here, or whatever. And Sean Spears took offence to that. But, over the course of the year, or years, you see that you see that Cody was right. And Sean Spears gets all of these big matches and just doesn't win. <laughs> these massive matches. That said, Justin Rhodes has been putting people over. That same way in Chris Jericho. Like, Jericho, before taking out Padreple Pete last week, or taking out Shugs, he... Put him over. Which is just like, yeah, yeah, just, I love it. <laughs> Pineapple Pete is over. And Justin Rose has been doing a very similar thing. where kind of, It doesn't really matter about his momentum that much. He's been putting over the others. And I don't see a Chris Jericho thing where he puts him over and then just destroys him. I feel like, because yeah, again, Pineapple Pete was essentially a jobber. And he yeah, got called out and the match Jericho happened. But Sean Spears is going to win this one. To the predictions, he is going to go in again. <laughs> He's going to win this one. I don't really know again. Why do I keep saying I don't want to know? I, I, I... <laughs> There's only one answer to that. <laughs> and, oh, that's amazing. Anyway, oh, th- to be honest, me saying that over and over again has led to that moment. Therefore, it's totally worth it and it's the best time to move on from Sean Spears. Uh, goodbye, Sean Spears. To the final match, which we'll be predicting and talking about. It is the buy in for the. AEW Tag Team Championship number one contendership. I worded that properly weirdly. It's written right in front of me. Uh, Private Party versus best friends taking place live on the buy-in. Say goodbye to uh, Chucky, uh, sexy Chucky T. All right, so this will just be a fun pre-show match. <laughs> in terms of predictions, I'd like Private Party to win this one. Assuming they're going to be there for future tapings, because they weren't there for the initial ones, and I don't know if if the States opening up has allowed them to get here now, but yeah, Private Party, for me, Best Friends... I don't know, Orange Cassidy's 100% over, and then kind of having rivalries feels like more in place for me. I much prefer Private Party win, and kind of, they get that elevation. Best Friends, I don't really feel like need that elevation, that as an act, they are over. With, with Orange Cassidy in that package, they are over. Private Party... I kind of feel like they could really benefit from this win, whilst I'm not really sure what best friends get from winning and then losing to uh, Paige and Omega. Of course, unless the story is whoever challenges next, they are the team to win as the fractures continue to show. Because, of course, going in line with my other predictions, were the inner circle to win and and the the, uh, friction between the group of the elite is even bigger, then that makes sense when the Tag Team Championships are defended... By Hangman, Page, and Kenny Omega, that there will be friction. It will be there, and it just you can then crown new champions. Also, if Private Party beat them, then that carries on that thing of Private Party beating the elite, and I like that. <laughs> just continuing just continuity where they beat the Young Bucks in the tournament, then they here beat Omega and Hangman. I like that. Just keep that nice and going and flowing. And whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, prediction, private party to win. Other prediction: super fun, high-flying, uh, lots of action, tag-team match. Uh, also, Chuck oh, Taylor pulled out a move that of his that I loved on the indies, but I can't remember what it's called now. Uh, it's it's um, it's like he's going to spin them in a blue thunderbomb, then he just power drives them. <laughs> and the first time it happened, I thought, oh, that's devastating, I love it. It's <laughs> fantastic. I can't remember what it's called, but that thing we. Kind of spins him up like he's going to do please, on the and then just nope down. <laughs> I love that. Fantastic. Uh, and that's the final match. Can I find the... Just the standard double or nothing thing. So Say goodbye. Oh dear. <laughs> Did I... There we go. Technology, guys. Isn't it amazing? So, you see me next to Cartoon Me. Uh, that was taken from a natural picture. As you can... Where's the angle for that? Ooh. Not nearly. Ugh. I look so much like that it's insane so shout out to Ash from Wrestling Shorts again for joining that <laughs> but uh, yeah the t-shirt it just went see-through after <laughs> so many washers it just went see-through so I can't dress as cartoon me anymore I've got to get red I was going to wear white uh, I'm wearing red shorts so I wore white with red to look like a, uh, a Polish soccer player but no spilled spaghetti on it so I'm red boy <laughs> which is a safe thing to say on the internet <laughs> so yeah you didn't need to know that so, anyway, this Saturday is AW Double or Nothing. Let's get that tangent out of the way. Uh, this Saturday is AW Double or Nothing. I might go. F- oh no, sod it. <laughs> I was going to say I might go full screen, but no, look at cotting me. Uh, double Nothing will be live this Saturday um, from the uh, Jacksonville place, <laughs> whatever it's called. Uh, I will be live with Laws of Pain Radio Aftershock immediately afterwards it is finished. Uh, if I can get this video to work, then maybe. Maybe I could just use this setup with a different picture in the background. Who cares? I'll- Bloody knackered as it is, never mind. At 5am <laughs> on Saturday night, uh, but I'll be live a bit in the afternoon. The covid for Laws of Pain Radio After Shock. Uh, I might be joined by Jan Man from dynamite After Dark, but that's not a certainty. Um, again, just life as you understand is very complicated and mixed up right now, so the availability of things just isn't there for everybody. Uh, so that's the case. But also, if I can get up my list of stuff, uh I've already said that I'm back here on Thursday as well every single week but yeah I'm back on Saturday live immediately following double or nothing for LOP Video Aftershock uh, but please do check out our other shows on the Laws of Pain radio brand uh, if you go to laws pain.net or if you go to wrestlingheadlines.com they feed into each other doesn't really matter uh, then they will show up but uh, live after AW Dynamite is our AW post show Dynamite After Dark with Janman and Jeff uh, yesterday's show is already up on the channel uh, on the Los of Pain YouTube channel, and up on the uh, Red Circle, so it's gone out to all the different uh, podcast feeds as well. Uh, Fridays is Ms. Fan, and Mystic with WWF The Legacy Series, an unabridged look over the history of the now WWE uh, with the journey of the WWF. I cannot recommend this show enough. Starting from WrestleMania 1 and episode by episode, not just pay-per-views, Saturday, night, the, Saturday night's main event, one by one, go through in detail. As I said, unabridged, (laughs) I cannot recommend this uh, podcast enough Uh, Saturday I'll be live following Double or Nothing and Tuesdays is Kingdom of Honour where they're currently going back over TNA's 2005 pay-per-views this week's episode was Genesis so that's that, anyway one final check on everything it's not in English (laughs) shall I translate it and see if it makes any sense the comment is probably I need to reach over my weird arm again, let's do this uh, yeah, this would be great. Translate. Yeah, it's amazing podcast content as I randomly translate a thing. <laughs> That's an amazing translation. Uh, uh, so in the comments, it translates to, Old man, who you talk to? <laughs> or is it, Old man, who you talk to? Is it I'm an old man who you talk to, or you, old man, who you talk to? Uh, as I've said in the past, I talk to a wall about professional wrestling. For some reason... People listen don't I don't know why <laughs> some people people some people listen uh, so I, I've ended up having to keep doing it <laughs> so there's there's the answer to an amazing question that might be my favorite one <laughs> that would be my favorite one uh, I don't care if he posted that and left it's like this is rubbish oh, what are you doing old man no I love that it's a thing <laughs> I love that translation uh, anyway that's all of that I've uh, I've not actually got the theme for imps L P radio adventure set up on here so say goodbye to this. Anyway, this will be up on the podcast feed shortly. you have got to get to doing that. Uh, I will be back on Saturday, then on Thursday, so please do check that out. follow me on Twitter, at the uh, I'll be, uh I posted a column last week for Lords of Pain as well, because I'm also a columnist on there. Uh, that went up, if you want to give that a read. Uh, there's also awesome other columns up there, which have uh, taken over. <laughs> so you want to read those as well. Also, Tim Rose put out a thing on Twitter, uh, not Twitter, on the YouTube channel, so you want to watch that. That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. <laughs> anyway, uh, with that, I say thank you for listening. And if you, s- how did I do? I assumed crap. <laughs> this is my first time doing this, and I'm sweating like hell because it's also boiling hot. Like, talk about through the fire whenever I try something new. <laughs> first time I did aftershock, there were it was a lightning storm, and the guy I was meant I was meant to be jo- uh, helping out somebody. Then i was meant to be helping out former host Stephen Bell, and both of us on the opposite side of the world had lightning strikes and we were all in or lightning storms, thunderstorms. He lost power, my sky was flashing, bright lights as I was doing it. <laughs> if people in the UK remember that from last year. And uh, yeah, talk about baptism by fire, it's happened again. <laughs> Just in under that, the worst conditions <laughs> for a British Irish person. <laughs> Just absolutely, uh, 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 it's gone all right. Anyway. With that I say thank you for listening thank you for watching uh, send in your thoughts or predictions to do with uh, Double or Nothing this Saturday join us for Lords of Pain Radio Aftershock follow me on Twitter at the TheDamonPlacat follow Lords the of Wrestling Headlines at Lords of Pain <laughs> so much to remember on Twitter uh, and with that I say bid you adieu adios click click <laughs> adios